Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe, the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today's guest is Dr. Charmaine Wood. Dr. Wood is a practicing weight loss physician and coach. She came to the cafe to share some challenges to consistent behavior change, how not to get discouraged on the weight loss journey, myths and misconceptions about weight loss, and of course, because this is the Good Health Cafe, we also get her perspective on how to advocate for yourself in the healthcare system. Grab your warm drink and tune in for a great conversation. Hi, Dr. Wood. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you very much for coming. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you so much, Nikita, for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. So I'm Dr. Charmaine Wood. I'm a practicing weight loss physician, and I love helping guide women in their 40s and 50s on their own weight loss journeys. These women are special to me because they finally realize it's their turn. After years of putting others first, they wake up and can hardly recognize themselves. And so now they want to be healthier. They want to live longer in bodies where they're happy and where they're proud. And so it's my honor to work with these women. And that's who I am. Well, thank you. What made you interested in the area of weight loss? So I was trained as a pediatrician in the late 1990s, and I know I'm dating myself, but I don't know if you recall the early 2000s, there was this drastic increase in the rate of pediatric obesity. So I developed a passion because I wanted to do something about this. So I, I spent you know time speaking about pediatric obesity and what we could do to help remedy that situation. So fast forward several years, my husband and I have moved to Huntsville, Alabama, and we started an endocrinology practice. Well, we quickly saw that within his patient population, there was a definite need because there were a lot of people who were struggling with their weight. Eventually, I transitioned out of pediatrics, and so now I work exclusively with adults who want to lose weight, and not just lose weight, but who want to lose weight and keep it off, and who want to lose weight in a holistic way, so in a way that addresses their overall lifestyle and looks at the underlying issues that people face as we're living such busy, stressful lives, and our lives really impact our weight and our health. So this is why I'm passionate about this area. Now, I've got a little personal story where I have also worked through some weight struggles. I don't know if you or the listening audience can imagine a physician with weight issues. Well, we do have them because we're human too. Unfortunately, so much of our training We were taught to put our needs on the back burner as we take care of patients. So many of us struggle with overeating because we use food to cope with just the stress and the sadness that we see every day at work. And as I worked through my own weight issues, I pulled from several resources and developed a framework that addresses not just what to eat, but addresses the mindset and the self-care that's important for anyone who's on a weight loss journey. 
So what I provide is what I consider the complete package. It's not just a meal plan, but it's a way to help you move forward on the weight loss journey in addition to managing the challenges of day-to-day life. I see weight loss as a health issue. It's not just about looking good, but it's about being healthy and feeling and being your best. I like that. It's funny you say you don't know if we can imagine maybe doctors being overweight. I have to say, I'm not sure I've ever thought of that, but it makes sense. I've definitely passed hospitals and seen people in scrubs outside smoking. And I've always wondered, hmm, you know, what's that about? But yes, of course, healthcare providers are people too. And struggle just like the rest of us. Yes, yes, yes. We have our own challenges. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's smoking or it's eating or it's drinking or it's over shopping, these are all ways that humans, not just doctors, mm-hmm. use to cope with life and emotions and stress. And what do you think are some typical challenges that stand in the way of consistent behavior change? Because one thing you said was not only lose the weight, but keep it off. What what gets in our way when it comes to behavior change? Right. So I think there's so many things. I'll offer a few and they're not in any particular order. So I think one of the main ones is time. I mentioned the busy, stressful lives. We all lead busy, stressful lives. We're doing all the things. And it's not just that we're doing bad things, right? But we have families, we're working, we're serving. And even though we know our health is important, so many other things seem to take priority. It's hard to find the time to do what's important when there's so many things that seem more urgent. So I think that time piece is a big one and it's really solved by prioritizing our health and putting that at the top of our to-do list, the top of what's important. In addition to time, one of the other things that gets in the way is just the ability to sit with discomfort. So we're talking about change. And it's uncomfortable to change. So we revert back to what we're used to. I think we need to understand that this is normal. It's just what we do as humans. But we need to be aware of it, expect it, and plan for it. And this is why creating new habits and routines are important, because that's what really helps us to make the permanent change. I would also add that there's lack of intentionality Mm. or lack of planning. So last night I was online. We're planning a trip. So I was online and I was researching. I was looking for the best fares, looking at hotels, rental cars. It's an international trip. So one of the things I had to look at was How far in advance do we need to arrive at the airport? That's going to help me determine the timing of the flights. Most people would not take a trip without some sort of planning, right? At least I wouldn't. (laughs) But many times we expect that we can do something as life-altering as losing weight without planning. 
So we don't spend enough time in the planning process, whether it's before embarking on a weight loss journey or just the day-to-day planning of what we need to do in order to become successful at weight loss. We get frustrated when things don't go well, and then we tell ourselves it's too hard, and consequently, we quit. So that lack of intentionality or the lack of planning, I think, is a big one. And that all kind of goes back to time, right? So it's all connected. Something else I find is outside influences. So we allow people to influence our decisions about the actions that we want to take regarding our weight. And so if we're used to pleasing others, then this is where this can really create a challenge and create some tension for us. But it's important that we're clear on what we're doing and why. Also, just allowing people to have their opinions, right? When we're clear about what we want to do, we will let people have their opinions. They may even speak it, and we're okay with them voicing their opinions, but that does not mean that we have to do what they say or follow what they think is right. Shutting out some of those outside voices that aren't really helpful, I think, is a challenge that some people find hard to navigate. And I'll mention quickly one of the other challenges I find is people get off track and they don't know how to get back on. Getting off track is another one of those things that happens when you're trying to make changes and weight loss is no different. So learning how to get back on track without beating yourself up, right? That's what's going to keep you moving forward as opposed to getting off track and getting discouraged and just staying off track. And then finally, I would say that one of the challenges that people face is just lack of belief. So if you don't believe that you can lose the weight, that you can make these changes, then you're not going to be successful. So finding that belief, even if you have to borrow it for some time, is important in anyone's successful weight loss journey. That's a great list. I really enjoyed your analogy of planning for a trip and planning for weight loss. It makes so much sense when you put it like that. It is a big deal and it would make sense that you plan accordingly. Yeah, and I think so many of us look for easy, I almost hesitate to use that word, right? We look for easy, and so we fall into the trap of the diet culture, the diet industry, where we think the next pill or the next diet or, you know, ship me all my food and just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. So we don't necessarily have the confidence that we need in ourselves, that we can find some of these solutions inside of us and not necessarily need an entire industry to tell us exactly what we need to do to be successful. Ooh, I like that. 
You mentioned being sometimes getting off track and being discouraged is a challenge. How do you recommend people not become discouraged on the journey? Hmm, that's a great question. I think it goes back to having realistic expectations, mm-hmm. right? So we talked about people being busy. So things are going to come up and things are going to come up which will get in the way of you doing your meal plan, for example, or doing some other activity that you've decided is going to be part of your weight loss journey, part of one of the things that you need to do in order to be successful. And it could be, for example, you know, we're just coming out of this hurricane. So if if someone is living in Florida, for example, let's just say Fort Myers, which had just a lot of devastation, and part of their weight loss activity was that physical activity and they went to the gym. Well, in a natural disaster, that's no longer going to be possible. So that could throw them off track. It's something completely outside of their control. They can get off track from that and have a hard time getting back on track. So being solution-oriented is going to be key. For example, if a hurricane comes through and I'm okay, I can still exercise. I don't necessarily have to have a gym. So finding other ways to do that activity is what I mean. So you can be thrown off track by a natural disaster, but if you're solution-oriented, you can get back on track. So that natural disaster doesn't have to derail your entire program. Oh, what a great example, solution-oriented. What are some good tips that you often give your patients for weight loss? So how much time do you have? (laughs) I will try to be brief. So one of the things I encourage is to set goals, but don't focus all of your energy on the results, okay? Instead, focus on consistently doing the behaviors that lead to those results. After all, it's the small changes you make that when done consistently lead to the results. Too often, if we're only focused on the results, then when those results aren't coming fast enough, there's a tendency to think, oh, it's not working. Let me just give up. Let me just forget about it. This is this is no good. So yes, set goals because those are important and set specific goals. But don't focus all of your energy on the results. Another, what I would call key area, is practicing good self-care. Now, self-care is a whole weight loss program in and of itself. Because if you're practicing good self-care, you're going to be doing what's good for your body. And if your body is carrying excess weight... In your process of caring for yourself, your body's going to release that excess weight. Hmm. Okay. So understand that self care, let me say, is not selfish. 
but it's whatever you do that benefits your well-being on a whole. And you want a self-care plan that is comprehensive. So one that includes taking care of your physical body, your emotional being, your mental state, your spiritual side, and your social aspects as well. So for physical, you definitely want to make sure you're getting enough rest. I don't think most people understand that the amount of sleep is critical to successful weight loss. That's important because it affects the balance of the hormones that determine whether you're hungry or full. And that's just one of the reasons. And it's why when you're tired, you eat more. Your body wants energy to keep going, but what it really needs is rest. And for those of us who have been through medical training, those on-call nights, lack of sleep, going 24, 36 hours without sleep, I can attest to you personally that when you're not sleeping, when you're up at night, you're at the nurse's station Mm -hmm. looking for cookies and crackers and everything else that's there. And it's why people who work at night tend to have more weight issues. So rest is important. You also have to move your body in ways that feel good. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to exercise to lose weight, right? What I'm saying is moving your body is helpful because your body was built or designed to move. So moving your body gets that oxygen flowing to your vital organs. So to your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, your GI tract, and to your brain, among others. Movement also releases those feel-good hormones that we hear so much about. And that helps your mental state as well. The other thing under physical is hydration. I don't think we understand how important just proper hydration is. I would also add here that you don't want to drink your calories. You want to make your beverage of choice water because that is what your body truly needs for good hydration. And we all know that when you're trying to lose weight, it's important to feed your body nourishing foods. So nourishing foods means eating meals that are balanced. I would add, make sure that you get enough protein. Also eating a variety of foods so that you get the nutrients your body needs to support itself. And eating the best quality foods that you can afford. It means avoiding processed foods and paying attention to processed sugars, particularly things like high fructose corn syrup. Also, listening to your body and knowing when you're satisfied. So many of us are disconnected from our bodies that we don't really know when we're full. We've been trained to eat everything on our plate and, you know, things like that, that we have been ingrained in us from childhood that we don't know when it's time to stop eating. So learning to listen to your body 
and to stop eating when you're reasonably satisfied and not, you know, so full that you start feeling sick to your stomach. Another aspect of self-care, and this is a huge one because this is where so many of us get hung up, is that emotional part. So when we keep doing things we don't want to, and we keep getting results we don't want, we need to look at what's driving our behavior. And I would say that our emotions is most likely what's driving our behavior. And because we've not been taught to manage our emotions, then we use things like food to cope. So taking a close look at how you're managing your emotions and how you're using food. So that's an important part as well. And we're talking about self-care. So we've got to include that mental. And we've seen over the last couple of years this tremendous rise in mental health issues, the pandemic and social injustice, all these things have contributed to what we're seeing now in terms of people's mental states. And when your mind is not functioning optimally, it's harder to do all those self-care activities. So this is a very important part, even if you lack the motivation. So paying attention to your mental health one of the practices I encourage my patients is to have a gratitude practice so that you're focusing on things that are positive. So much around us is negative and we need to be intentional about our focus. And when you're focusing on something positive, that's gonna be good for your mental state. Another aspect of self-care is the social aspect. I also think that the pandemic brought some of this to light and it's what's contributing to some of the mental decline that we see is that a lot of us weren't really connected. And so having that time where we're connecting with family and friends, this helps us socially and that's important and it should not be ignored. And spiritual, I'm mentioning it this last, but it's, it's not least. Okay, Mm -hmm. so the spiritual aspect is very important because we're all spiritual beings. And I'm not necessarily talking about religion, although if you have religious practices that help with your spiritual wholeness, then I'm not discouraging that. In fact, I am encouraging that because anything you do that gives your life meaning or helps you feel connected to something larger than yourself. That's a spiritual practice, and it's important for us to be spiritually connected. I will add one more, meal planning. So planning for your meals and prepping for your meals. And we mentioned planning earlier on, but specifically, you want to plan for what you're going to eat. Decide what you're going to eat in advance. You make better food choices when they're made in advance. This way you're not making decisions in the heat of the moment when you're hungry. Right. So I don't know about everybody else, but when I'm hungry, everything looks good. And I it start tastes looking, good too. <laughs> I 
start looking at all the things that are available. What smells good? The foods that trigger that special memory and create that desire. Foods I haven't had in a while that, you know, I think, okay, I'm never going to have an opportunity to eat this again, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I don't plan in advance, then I'm I'm letting outside circumstances really decide for me what I'm going to eat. So when you plan in advance and follow your plan, you build confidence and trust in yourself. And this is an important part of any weight loss journey, that confidence and trust in yourself. Sometimes we make less than ideal food choices based on what's available. So plan what you're going to eat in advance as much as possible. Take it with you. That way you're always in control of Mm -hmm. what's available and what you're going to eat. I understand this level of planning takes commitment and it takes follow through. But this, I think, is an essential part of any weight loss journey. I like that. And Taking it with you, I think, also requires a little bit of, maybe I'm not sure courage is the word, but you know, they're like, oh my gosh, here comes Nikita again, bringing her own food. She's too intense. She needs to relax or something. Like, I don't know if people will think that. So I think it does require a little bit of confidence and I'm doing this for me and I don't care, you know, what comments people might make, I'm going to be Yes, yes, yes. So once again, those outside voices. Mm -hmm. So if that's a concern, right, you have a function to go to and you're concerned about what's going to be available. Mm -hmm. If you're not comfortable taking what you're going to eat with you, you can always eat beforehand, Mm -hmm. right? And then when you get there, you can be pretty choosy about what you're going to partake of. Yeah, But you also have to expect that people are going to comment on the fact that you're not eating or you're not eating as much as everyone else. Oh, a little bit of cake is not going to hurt. You know, (laughs) you have to be prepared that people will comment. Yes. Yes. So those outside voices and not allowing them to derail what goals you've set for yourself. I agree. Dr. Wood, you've given us some great tips for weight loss. And once we've lost the weight, what is the key to keeping this weight off and sustaining the weight loss? That's a great question because many people are successful at losing weight, but they've yet to be successful at keeping it off. So I think part of the key is going to be just a mindset shift. So embracing weight loss as a health journey and not a diet. So a diet is something temporary and a health journey is just that. It's a journey that you'll be on for the rest of your life. So one of the things I would say is whatever you do to lose the weight, you need to continue, be prepared to continue doing to keep it off. So that's that's one thing. And we touched on emotions earlier, but really learning to manage your emotions because emotions drive our behavior. And if we're used to eating to deal with our emotions, if we don't have the tools to manage them, 
then when we lose the weight, we'll just go back to eating and overeating. And then we will regain the weight that we just lost. So I would say that those are two keys to sustaining weight loss. Two very good keys. Are there any myths and misconceptions that you'd like to dispel when it comes to weight loss? Well, there's so, so many, (laughs) but I'll, I'll mention just a couple. So the first I would say is there's a myth that we have to go on a restrictive diet and deprive ourselves to lose weight. The fact is the more restrictive your diet is or what you eat is, that can actually be counterproductive. If you eat too little, your body goes into conservation or starvation mode and it holds on to the weight so you don't actually lose weight. And the second myth I would say is that there's this belief out there that there is one right diet and you just have to find that one in order to be successful. And that's why there's so many diets out there and there've been so many and there will probably continue to be new diets created all the time. I won't name any, but I think we've all heard of them. But I want to dispel that myth and say that there's no one size fits all approach to weight loss because we're all different. We are all unique. We all have different needs. The right weight loss plan is the one that works for you. And what I would suggest is you start with a framework and customize it to fit your lifestyle and your body and your body's needs. I like that a lot. The right weight loss plan is the one that works for you. What are a few things that you think patients should always do or know as they interact with the system? Specifically about their interaction to physicians. I would say that they need to know that the physicians care deeply about them and only want what's best for them, but they still have to be their own advocate. So that means letting the physician know of anything that interferes with your ability to take care of yourself or to follow the treatment plan. I think too many patients stay silent when they should be speaking up, whether it's the cost of their medications or whether they don't understand something, you know, they, they don't speak up and they don't advocate for themselves. Even if your physician doesn't have all the answers, let's say your issue is something that may not even be medical, may not even be clinical, could be something social. And even if the physician doesn't have all the answers, they can usually point you in the right direction or make a referral to get you the resources that you need. So don't hesitate and don't be shy about letting the physician know what could possibly be getting in the way of you achieving the best health possible for yourself. What are your recommendations for how patients can improve their communication with their providers? I would say just be open, be honest, and be direct. 
So we learned a lot of things in medical school, but we did not learn to be mind readers. So if you want us to know something, then please, please tell us. Well, what about that intimidation factor a little bit like, oh, they're, maybe they're going to judge me. I'm ashamed to say this or that. What can you tell yourself to push past that maybe? For the patient who's struggling with feeling intimidated, one of the things they can say to themselves is, I have a voice and my needs are important and I need to share what my needs are with this physician who could possibly help me. Can you please share an example where you saw a patient advocate for themselves and it made a difference? So I don't necessarily have a specific example, but I'll tell you the type of patient I love to see, and hopefully this yes. answer will be sufficient. So I love to see patients who come to their visits prepared and they're proactive with their physician about their care. So this could look like keeping a health journal where symptoms are tracked or numbers such as blood pressure and blood glucose or blood sugar are tracked. It helps the physician more easily decide a course of action when we have a thorough, a complete patient history. So there are too many times patients come in with symptoms that may be a little bit vague and just very nonspecific. And just knowing things like exactly when the symptoms started, how severe the symptoms are, what makes the symptoms better, what makes them worse. That type of information is helpful to physicians. The other thing is having written questions. Come in with your questions. So think about what you need to know ahead of time and write those down. We know that in the midst of a conversation, sometimes you forget, right? We start off going in one direction and the conversation shifts and you forget to come back and ask these questions you had in your mind. Well, don't depend on your memory. Instead, just write it down so that you know when you leave, all of your concerns have been addressed. Now, understand that it may not be possible for all of your concerns to be addressed in that visit. You may have to make another appointment to get some of the concerns addressed, but at least mention them so that the physician knows how to prioritize what you guys are going to discuss in that visit. And then I would say that patient who advocates well for themselves, who's proactive and is prepared writes down the physician recommendations. Can't tell you how many times, you know, you go through a list of things you want a patient to do and the patient walks away not remembering. I think the medical community has gotten better with giving handouts and providing summaries of care to our patients but if the patient actually writes that down, I think that helps them remember it as well, helps them remember the instructions. But the more aware a patient is about what's going on with their health and the more empowered they feel to take care of themselves, 
I think the better that they and their physician can work together to achieve better results. Thank you. That's an awesome (laughs) summary of the things that you like, and they all make total sense. As we wrap up, Dr. Wood, do you have any closing thoughts or reflections or anything you'd like to add related to everything that we've discussed here, you know, weight loss, patient advocacy, anything like that? So what I'd like to just remind the listeners is small efforts pay off, right? It's a small hinge that moves the large door. Mm -hmm. So pay attention to those small things. You want to focus on being consistent and not necessarily perfect. Sometimes we think if we can't do things perfectly, it's not worth doing. But just be consistent with whatever the activities you decided you were going to do to help you achieve your weight loss goal. Place reminders of your goal where you can see them, right? In our busy lives, it's easy to forget what we're working on and why we're working on it. So place reminders, whether it's on your phone or it's on your bathroom mirror or your refrigerator, just post those reminders where they're easily accessible. Accountability helps. Ultimately, we want to be accountable to ourselves, but while you're getting there, be accountable to someone else. So enroll someone in helping with your weight loss goal, someone who's going to check in on you or someone who, if they haven't gotten an update from you in a while, they'll reach out and say, well, how's it going? You said you were going to be working on this. Have you done that? Is Are things going like you expected them to? Also, knowing that you are in charge, there is no one else in charge of your body but you. So own it, right? Own your goals, own your successes, own your results. Invest in your success. So invest the time. We talked about prioritization earlier on. So prioritize your goals. Prioritize your success. And just remember that you're worth it. Your health, your happiness, your confidence, you're feeling better in your body. You're looking better. You're worth it. So take the time that you need to accomplish this goal that you've set for yourself. Now, I know I've said a lot. I want to say thank you, Nikita, for this opportunity to coming on and just sharing with your audience. Even though I've shared quite a bit, there's so much more. To learn how to be more successful on your weight loss journey, contact me, schedule a free consultation at Charmaine Wood, MD. I look forward to hearing from you. Look forward to working with some of you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Wood. You shared a lot, but it was all great and fantastic information that will be so helpful to everyone who listens. So thank you for your time and thank you very much for coming to the Good Health Cafe. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Some of the key takeaways from Dr. Wood were the tips she gave on how to lose weight, being sure to know the aspects of self-care, some of which include sleep, movement, and nutrition, 
And remembering that your doctor isn't a mind reader, so you have to let them know what's bothering you. By the way, if you were thinking that name Dr. Woods sounds familiar, you're correct. We had the pleasure of hosting her husband, Dr. Dwayne Wood, in one of our earlier episodes. As usual, if you would like to learn more about The Good Health Cafe, feel free to check out our website, www.thegoodhealthcafe.com. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn to be specific, or sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye.